The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Seal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Isabel Hardman. And the row that's been dominating MPs in boxes on the first weekend back is the row about rack in schools, which is handful reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete. And at the current time of recording, there's about 150 schools in the country that are affected. Katie, take us through on the story and where we stand currently. Yeah, so this has been rumbling on for some time, but of course it was the news last week that this would affect the reopening of several schools um, that have seen it become front page news. And there's lots of questions as to why government hasn't acted sooner. So there's various parts of the story now going. I mean, first off, there's concern that the number could rise, as you've just alluded to. And one thing Labour keep talking about is that Abstestos could now be the next part of the story. Now, Gillian Keegan, the Education Secretary, was slightly not dismissive, but I think played down the idea of that in her media this morning. If that does come to fruition, you're going to have a situation where the delays in terms of some of these schools reopening is going to move from potentially a couple of weeks when they're fixing, you know, parts of buildings, not the entire parts. In most cases, of course, some cases may be different, but to one where you know that's a very lengthy thing to deal with so that's the risk where I think what is already a very difficult start to the new term for Rishi Sunak gets even more serious particularly you know with certain words coming back to haunt people and then I think the the other thing part of the story just making life particularly difficult for Rishi Sunak this morning is that you've had Jonathan Slater the former permanent secretary from the Department for Education coming out saying that ultimately this has been flagged it was flagged previously the government agreed to fund work on a hundred schools a year to fix crumbling concrete and other problems but this was lower than the number they asked for initially and then it was cut further by the chancellor at the time Rishi Sunak to 50 schools a year so it's suddenly become Rishi Sunak not listening to advice directly being linked to the prime minister and suggesting that you know he is to blame for you know not allocating resources fairly now of course with spending demands you know you often ask higher than you're going to get and you're having lots of competing things but it just is adding to the sense of I think just from Rishi Sunak through you know the very minor don't think we can re- re- call it reshuffle but you know uh, appointment of you know a few ministers last week number 10 changes I mean autumn change and quite a damaging route when you think about the fact that Rishi Sunak staked a lot in the public sector pay negotiations and very trying to focus on getting teachers back in the classroom Mm. above all else speaking to teaching unions behind the scenes because he thought that you know the amount of time children have already missed out the classroom has been very damaging and now some are facing very that and you mentioned of course which you've seen out there labor have already put out one of those attack ads with the prime minister's face really seeking to tie him to this isabel you've written a blog about this and i want to pose to you the title of that blog as my question which is how do the tories not see this coming that's a question that quite often gets asked in Westminster. And it's one of those things that is often asked quite lazily by um, journalists like us and also by opposition MPs who had not never mentioned this issue before it turned up either, which is a slightly unfair use of hindsight. But I think in this instance, it really is the case that the Tories did see this coming and that they did have ample opportunities not just to do something about it in the way that Jonathan Slater, the permanent secretary, former permanent secretary of the Department of Education, referenced earlier in terms of earlier today when he was on the Today programme in terms of 
spending more money on uh, rebuilding schools past few years, but also in terms of creating some kind of political narrative about the fact that school buildings did have a lot of rack in them and that it was very much at the end of its uh, 30 to 40 year lifespan. Um, and that because there hasn't been very much political chatter about this or any kind of preparing the ground by ministers, it meant that the announcement last week that some school buildings were going to need to close, that some schools were going to have to move to other sites, came as a complete shock to the wider public and indeed to uh, the Westminster system as well. And that's one of the reasons why the Conservatives have, have got into such a mess on this, is that if they, as they appear to have done, have known about this problem for a very long time, decided not to do what civil servants were recommending they did in a timely fashion, then they then didn't take the step of working out what to say when that became apparent. And the suggestion I make in the blog is that they hoped really that this might be somebody else's problem, potentially because there might be a change of government in the next few years and concrete blocks might become a Labour government's Mm -hmm. issue. Or just, you know, the sort of Westminster short-termism of there are other important and more urgent things going on and we're going to hope that people are are distracted by those. So I think this is, is really potent for the government because it's so easy. You know, you don't need to be a master strategist in the Labour Party to construct a narrative of a crumbling Tory Britain where you've got crumbling schools, you've got hospitals propped up with stilts. Hospitals also have rack in them. I was writing about this in my book, which I finished writing last year. So again, it's not you know a particular surprise that the hospital estate, which has had a £10 billion backlog, is, is also suffering. You've got, you know, ongoing NHS strikes and so on, it, it's very easy for the Labour Party to say, you know, this is this is Britain that's been broken by the Conservatives. And it has enormous cut through. All of the chats amongst the parents that I was socialising with at the weekend was whether their school had rack in it. And it's one of those things that people just pick up very quickly in a way that very few Westminster stories have that kind of widespread cut through. And I think it's going to dominate the next few weeks of politics in a way that going into the summer, no one would have predicted, which I suppose is is the way that politics often works. I think on the Broken Britain narrative, you can clearly see that it's something that people keep talking about. There was a poll at the weekend for the men on Sunday. I think around 70% of voters, well, you know, said, we do think Britain is broken. And there was also one, a poll which was asked, one of the questions in this poll was asking, you know, do you think public services have got worse in the past 10 years and I think 3% think they have actually wow. got better 3% so 3% they I want to meet them so, yeah exactly let's get them on the podcast <laughs> and, and get those views um, and, and therefore like it is it just does highlight when you're looking at that poll gap um, but also I suppose putting elections aside everyday life you know mm. what why it is actually the object the problems that Rishi Sunak and the Tories have to ultimately turn around in order to be in a, in a place where voters you know have time for them go much beyond like who's got the best attack ad this week you know is and just on the way here you know I stopped by an MP who said they actually feel very demoralized having spent you know as some are doing lots of campaigning because they say yes there's not much love for Labour but the general feeling is just you've had 13 years we're looking around and nothing's working so yes we don't think Labour particularly have the answers but why give you guys another chance they said it's you know not impossible but very like um it, it does mean they are they are particularly concerned about their seat so 
I think what we're going to start to see going into into this new term as parliament returns is, you know, the question I think the Tories will try and say is, who is best to solve these problems? Mm-hmm. Now, right now, let's say you've had 13 years. Can Rishi Sunak suggest that he has something his predecessors didn't in terms of handling tough decisions? Or does it just look like a very tired government? I, I think that will be the challenge because you can't ignore the scale of the problems. Clearly, voters feel them. It's just, can they do anything to suggest that he is in a better place than, than perhaps Keir Starmer in terms of having those difficult decisions? So the difficult question then becomes that it's not really about the future, i.e. who can deal with the problems now, but really who caused them? And so past versus future, Starmer versus Sunak, and whether actually it could be going to have an election basically where the voters return a verdict on 13 years, of which Sunak could claim he only had two years as prime minister. I think what Rishi Sunak will be trying to say is that he's actually ultimately a fairly new prime minister, hasn't been in parliament very long, and therefore you try and make the differentiation between Rishi Sunak and the previous Tory governments, and in a place to do it is the question is whether voters will buy it. And of course, this rack is just the start of the parliamentary term with Westminster coming back today. Isabel, what's going to be on the agenda in the coming months? We've obviously got the party conference season in October for the Tories and Lib Dem, and we've also got the King's speech. But what are the kind of things we can expect in issues along the way? We are expecting a Labour reshuffle um, in possibly the next few hours. So we, we may have another podcast coming out from Coffeehouse Shots on that as well. And uh, that's really, uh, as we've alluded, Already in this podcast, Keir Starmer trying to answer the question that will dominate Labour conference, which is, if not the Tories, then why us? And trying to get the Labour front bench to articulate why they're a government in waiting and how a Labour government would uh, not just fix things, but make Britain better and different. Uh, and that's something that you know most people in, in Labour except is still a huge task for them, even though they've, you know, they feel like they've at least detoxified and sort of um, largely taken back control of, of their party. Although I, I think they're going to have quite a big push on standards as well in the uh, coming months. They've still got to answer the question of, uh, you know, of, of what kind of a political force Labour would be and why people should vote for them. So that's going to be uh, sort of the the big push from the Labour Party over the next few weeks. And then obviously, you know, it's not just that I'm obsessed with it, but the NHS is going to dominate politics as we go into the winter again, um, because it's been running hot all summer. Um, It's supposed to have a fallow period in the summer, but it really hasn't. So going into into the winter with exhausted and overrun and at capacity wards is, is not where anyone would want it to be and also uh, the strike action from junior doctors and consultants now being joined up so that they will walk out on the same day I think it's going to take health politics in a really interesting direction I know that a lot of senior doctors are very very troubled by this move by the BMA to join up the consultants and junior action and so you may well start to see what I think ministers have been hoping might happen uh, which is that the medical fraternity will start to fracture and that you will start to potentially get senior figures from within that world questioning the actions of their trade union because of the impact on patient safety, which the BMA has always said is you know part of the strike action rather than a, a, um, a result of the strike action. So on the NHS, that's going to be uh, one of the big questions. And then going into Conservative Conference, you're going to get a lot of pressure from Tory backbenchers on on two issues. One is green issues and whether the change of personnel in in government over energy and net zero means a um, 
a different approach, a rowing back from green issues or not. And also the question that has that is just always asked of Rishi Sunak is is whether he really believes in tax cuts and whether they're going to be coming before the next election. And so that'll be something that he and Jeremy Hunter are really under pressure on still. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.